Welcome to The Connection. A podcast to connect you to the parish of Yates and Froomside Benefits. My name is Howell. And I'm Justin. We are your hosts sharing with you the connection between faith and everyday living. So welcome to this episode of The Connection and welcome back after the festive period and now we're into our next season of The Connection. Yeah, so in this season of The Connection we're focusing on the environment in response to the brilliant resources that the Church of England's brought out. Uh, there's the Saying Yes to Life book and the Live Lent uh, Care for God's Creation booklet that we're doing throughout Lent. So it's all based on Genesis uh, chapter 1, the Song of Creation. And I've been quite excited about it, really. There's some been some really good stuff and practical things that we're, we'll be talking about over the next uh, few episodes. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, and this will run alongside some of the material that's being used um, in small groups uh, and within church in it itself. But of course, this will be archived forever. So it'll be a great resource for you to access uh, whenever you want. Um, and of course, some of the topics we've already talked about in our previous season. So you're always welcome to go back and look at our previous episodes to kind of get some simple context or context to, to what we're discussing. Um, but we are relying uh, on the great resources that have been put together by the Church of England uh, for this year's Lent season. Yeah, so we'll start with uh, Genesis 1. Now, we did do a big episode, really, uh, last year. We'll link it in the description about how to understand uh, the first part of the book of Genesis. So we're not going to... If you're interested in what that's all about, go back and listen to that or uh, have a look at some other good resources. But essentially, Genesis chapter 1 is a song. Hmm. We know it's a song because there's a chorus which goes... Evening came, morning came the first day. Evening came, morning came the second day. Yeah. So it's structured a bit like a psalm, yeah. basically. And the guts of what it's about, it's saying that God is putting things in order. So the word create, the Hebrew word which is used, translated as create or make in um, Genesis chapter 1, basically means organise. Okay, yeah. It literally means separate, so yeah. to, and that's what the theme of the whole song's about. Really, it's light and darkness, land and sea, uh, sky and earth, um, birds of the air and the fish of the sea. So deliberately, it creates or separates the different kinds of creation. Yes, uh, into those <clears throat> opposites as we go along. So it's all about God. Uh, organizing and bringing order to the chaos of the universe so it begins with uh, the, the earth was a formless void which apparently um, can be translated as a type of tofu which made me made me laugh which oh. is all a bit squishy all a bit squishy all a bit squishy and wobbly formless void formless okay. void a bit okay. of jelly yeah and um God comes along and he brings order to that formlessness okay. and organises creation through laws. So he sets laws which then govern creation. 
And that's key, that is. That's important, isn't it? And I think, like with many parts of the Bible, we look for inspiration and we kind of look sometimes for the key that unlocks some of the meaning. And of course, over the years, we've been looking at these uh, the, the many different stories and chapters and parables within, within the Bible. But us focusing on Genesis, looking at chapter one and really unlocking the kind of meaning behind it really works well for our our Lent season. And of course, looking at how we live our lives in trying to create order. Yeah, and that's the whole point of it, is that God speaks the world into existence. And what that means is, in in the New Testament, at Christmas, we talk about um, in the beginning was the Word. Yeah. And what that means is it's the logic, it's the, the logos, it's the order. Yeah. So God brings life through bringing order uh, and separating these different bits of the universe uh, around us. And, and the other big thing that's the uh, essence of this is creation is good yeah i mean we look at the 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 kind of six segments that are featured within this creation pathway and they highlight some of the great things that we should celebrate are uh, about earth and and the great things that we can celebrate from from light to earth to water uh, and so on yeah and i think this is the other thing is a lot of the time in faith communities, a lot of world faiths have this sort of separation between the spiritual realm yeah. and the earthly realm. Mm. And the earthly realm isn't really that important, but the spiritual realm is important. Now, okay. Christianity and, and Judaism is not like that because in this creation song, we are told that those two are instinctively linked. Yeah that the earth is good, it's yeah. God's creation, we have a responsibility, we have care for, and yeah. we are part of creation. So there's no split, really, between the spirit and the earth. Yeah. It's the two together. Yeah, okay. I mean, I guess there are segments in society that are more earthly than than, than others. I mean, the pagans, for example, they, <laughs> they do like a little bit of hanging around the Stonehenge and enjoying being connected with Earth. But it's important that we remember as Christians that we should celebrate and rejoice and look after our Earth. Yeah, and I think the difference there, because some people get a bit worried about this when you start talking about environmentalism and think, oh, that is not a bit like, you know, pagans. And it's, yeah. it, in a way, it's kind of the opposite in a sense because we're not worshipping creation or anything a bit like pagans do. What we're doing is we're seeing creation as a reflection yep. of the wonder and the works of God. So mm. a bit like the moon reflects the light of the sun, yep. the world around us uh, reflects the light of God. So we see past the um, creation, which points to the creator in that sort of sense. So to disregard creation is actually to disregard the works of God. Yeah, and so true and shown many a time within the Bible. I mean, even early on in the story of Adam and Eve, our first job was to look after the world, uh, to look after this garden. The garden would look after us as we look after the garden itself. And, you know, that's probably one of our first jobs that we were given as mankind is to look after this place. Yeah, and that was one of the things that went wrong uh, in a sense with the, the, the story of the fall, yeah. is when the fall happens, the environment suffers. Yes. So, uh, and that goes back to what Genesis 1 is saying about the law, and the law brings goodness, uh, order brings life, 
yeah. chaos brings death, is that if we live in a chaotic way, if we live a chaotic life, then that's going to bring destruction. Yeah. But okay. if we live ordered life, then that brings life and creation. And yes. that's the same for everything. And what centres all of that is, is predominantly the idea that light brings light into this darkness, doesn't it? I mean, week one of our Lent group looks at light and energy. That's it. Yeah, so the good thing with this, this Lent book is it's saying about um, <clears throat> light and energy and talking about how we use power. And it's linking these sort of abstract ideas in Genesis into proper practical action which we can take to fight climate change really and, and, and fight for uh, the environment around us. Now, I don't know about you, Justin, but mm. every time I think about climate change and things like that, I always have this sort of immense sense of being overwhelmed by despair. Like before I came out tonight, there was a story on the radio about um, parts of the Amazon rainforest are emitting more carbon now than they're actually um, sucking up. Yeah, and you're thinking, oh, it's an it's like another day, yeah, another disaster story. Exactly, and we and we know the kind of David Attenborough effect where he has been celebrated time and time again to really bring some of these massive issues to our living rooms. You know, we all remember seeing the 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 seas full of plastic, and we and and. and I see that, and I think, how how can I make that better? How can I stop that existing anymore? And, and, that, and it's incredibly overwhelming. Yeah, and I think I think that the danger sometimes is when we we look at things from that big picture, from the kind of um, the global essence, we feel so small and so insignificant that we feel as though there's 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 nothing we can do. So we just forget about it, and we just yeah. think, oh, we, yeah. that's it. Yeah, and in a sense that's a natural human response but that is then you 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 fall at the first hurdle really haven't you that's the yeah trouble. definitely and and thankfully you know there's a lot to be celebrated by these big scary stories because it does it does inspire individuals groups communities to really look at the impact we have on our environment and continually showing that process does eventually and i think we're we're probably at a really good time now probably the first time in a very long time in in generations where we are seriously looking at the way that we use the materials yeah and, and i think as well the other the other thing to think about is if we think back to say the 1990s when mm. i was a student seems like a long time ago now uh when i was involved in the fair trade movement yeah now, Back, back even in the 80s, yeah. the only place you could buy fair, fair trade did anything was from the the nun in church who used to bring it in this old suitcase and open it up and okay. used to buy this yep. coffee. And, yep. uh, and I think we can all relate to those times, yeah. doesn't it? Fair, <laughs> fair trade was a very much a thing that you got in the in the church, in, 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 the, in that kind of, uh, was the way that you would access that in, in society. And I think the thing is, though, now Costa and uh, Starbucks and all these big multinationals yeah. sell fairly traded coffee. Yeah, okay, yeah. So bit by bit, if you told me that, say, back in, you know, 95, 96, I would have gone, well, well I probably would have said, what, Starbucks? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd say, but you wouldn't believe that that, that actually would occur. So those... 
it's a good example of how the church grabbing hold of uh, a real issue in the world yep. has made a massive impact. Yeah, definitely. You know. and, there, and there are countless examples of where the church keeps on doing that today, uh, just chipping away at highlighting real important issues to make a change. But when it comes to the environment, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's one on the scoreboard for the church to get fair trade from being a very much a thing you would access within church to being something that actually most people look on the back of their coffees now and look on the back of their tea bags and look on chocolate and, and, and products that actually need to be sourced and financed directly to the farmer. Yeah, and it's just part of everyday life now. I find fascinating is the discussions that we used to have around uh, the fair trade movement back back then yeah uh, with people in church and, and with people outside the church as well is we're having the same discussions now about um, environmental issues because really what it's about is is changing our behavior yeah but changing it sort of incrementally bit by bit. Yeah. Rather than saying, you know, next week, you know, I'm going to go and close all the coal-fired power stations in China. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen. No, no. But if we try and make these small, bit-by-bit, yeah. incremental gains in our lives, then, you know, big change will come. Yeah. But not from me as an individual, but from us as a community yeah. changing all a little bit. And with us in our church community, there's no better time than Lent to do that. And Lent is a great time to, 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 to focus on these issues. Unlike a New Year's resolution that tends to be broken within a week, Lent is a season. And, and, and actually, if we all, as a community, stand together and focus on a big issue, it allows to start to bring our lives into, into order. Yeah. And it's incremental components rather than, again, like you said, closing power stations down. <laughs> But actually, if a community, we focus on some of these issues and see what we can do, it has a massive impact. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with Lent, is Lent is uh, the 40-day preparation for Easter where we reflect on our own lives and how we can... It's what they call a penitential season. In other words, we try and look at ourselves and how we can become better people. Yeah. It's a time for self-reflection, really, in getting ready for Easter. It started off... Um, up until the first few hundred years of the church, you could only be baptised at Easter. Okay. Right? Yep. Which I think would cause massive problems in the parish, you know. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it would be a very long Easter service. Yeah. Um, but you, but what you do, and because people who were going to be baptised as adults found it so beneficial to have a period of preparation, yeah. it kind of evolved into all Christians... Uh, taking upon themselves this time of preparation but over the years it kind of got eroded away and and it sort of turned into i know when i was a kid it was kind of like give up chocolate or give up this it turned into a kind of bad version of weight watchers really. okay like, so uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> so, yes yes what can you yes i see exactly what you mean there you, you think on pancake day oh what should i give up this year oh, yes. i don't know what what's easiest do you know what i mean Oh, that sort of thing. But in recent times, I think uh, many different segments of Christianity have started to take control of this Lent. And actually, 
you know, we, we talked, and I certainly did it last year, and certainly looking to do it this year. Forty acts, forty acts of goodness, forty acts of, 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 of giving and doing something. Uh, and and the, and the Church of England this year with their with their Lent program is very much the same, isn't it? It's about doing something with a purpose rather than giving up something that will be like Weight Watchers or will actually hit you hard. It's actually it, it, it's about getting ourselves in order to have a big impact on our lives and and communities and that's really the centre of it yeah it? and I think the good thing this year is because it's all integrated in a sense because we've got the uh, Ruth uh, Valerio book yes uh, which has been published where there's a chapter to read on each of the days of Genesis with some study questions in there as well and also as well these the live Lent uh, care for God's creation booklets which are available and they're on an app as well yeah and each day you have a little bit of study, a little Bible passage to read, uh, a little reflection on that, and then an action. And yeah. I think when you tie the study with the action, the two reinforce each other. Okay. Yeah. And I think, and then you you actually, yeah, you do it in action, but also as well, you know why you're doing it. Yeah. And linking it back to God. Yes. And I think that's quite a powerful. Uh, agent for change in your life really then and you end up with a parish full of accountability buddies because of course you do it all together <laughs> yeah. and actually people are there's nothing quite like implementing change or at least taking time to reflect or study if you're doing it together you know doing it on your own is a very lonely space and what tends to happen is you tend to end up fizzing out and not bothering to complete the program but if you do it as a parish if you work together in our small groups or even coming along to our services they will all be connected they will all have some linkage uh, to our our season and the thing is with that it's a bit it is like weight watchers in a sense where uh, you you go along and you have a common goal yeah. and you help each other yeah and in a strange way um I could say this now is when I first moved to Murfield, uh, my missus went to Weight Watchers. Yeah. Right? Uh, so she went to Weight Watchers, and uh, one of the monks was asking her about Weight Watchers and what they did, and she said, "Well, I go in and you know I I, I get weighed, and then we talk about uh, how we can change our eating habits, you yeah. know, and and we all say uh, how we can improve." And um, I think Father Thomas turned around and said. That's too religious for me. That just sounds, <laughs> just sounds like it sounds like monasticism. He said. But I think it's a sense is that idea of yeah. doing things as a community yes. to help each other. Yes, it, that's got to be. And, and we found that last year when we did the forty acts together. It it really helped. Yeah, especially around week four, where you're thinking, oh, you know, oh, sort of, yeah, no, definitely you know. come together and, and and work together, and that's the important thing. So, so week one is light and energy, um, and of course we are all aware of the let there be light phrase that is an important component of the beginning of Genesis. And of course he brought light to a place where there was no life, and that clearly it references that darkness covered the face of the deep, and then God said let there be light, and then there was light. So let's talk a little bit more about how we can kind of link that to our a process. Well, what he's talking about there is this idea of light. What he's talking about is energy, really. It's yeah. not light as in light, light switch on. It's just that mm. idea of, of energy. Yes. And how we use the energy which God has given us. So, yeah. the, the in a way, uh, coal, oil, gas, they're actually 
forms of sunlight because they're just plants which have absorbed the energy from the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and died down, and we're now reusing sort of dinosaur energy in a sense. Yeah. So the question is asking is how do we use responsibly this resource of energy which God has given us? Now, there's some practical things um, that she points to in the in the care for God's creation is basic things like walk, cycle, take the bus. It's just you, Justin, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just you always do. But uh, no, but exactly. Yeah. So there are actions that we can do. Yes, absolutely. So I, I, I'm going to try, right? Mm. I'm going to try and cycle around the parish more. Okay. Because I think you're not going to be that crazy vicar that's got his robes on, <laughs> cycling around the parish of Yate. That's my mate Mark. That yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was funny art. Yeah. Uh, but no, but I think it's something that, if I'm honest, it's one of those. It's a good example, really. Is from time to time I do cycle around the parish, and I always have. Yeah. And then I get into a bad habit of getting in the car. Yeah. And then after a while, I get in the car. Not because I want to, just because I just don't think about it. Yeah, of course. And, um, um, you know, if, if, if as listeners, if we looked at Howell's diary or any of the of the vicars within our parish, they, they're busy people. And, but they're, they're busy in a small area rather than busy travelling too far away. So, and I think some of your day-to-day job can actually be achievable on the back of a bike, and I think you've made that. Yeah, I think I think the only awkward thing is is putting the robes in the back. But, okay, but yeah. that's only a small part of what I do. So if I'm going to uh, team meeting on a Monday morning, uh, I can I can take the bike. That's no mm. problem. If I'm going all over the place, uh, going different visits and things, going around, there's no reason why I can't take the bike unless someone. Stab my tyres like they did the other week when we went to the pub. <laughs> I'm gonna fix my tyres, but yeah. it's something that yeah. I think uh, you know a little bit of effort at the beginning, change that mindset and change the habit because yeah. it is a habit. Yeah, you know it's not. There's no reason why I can't walk to Tesco Express to get milk. Yeah, okay. Don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah, this, no, you don't need to get in the car to then. Yes, but you do. You go. Where's my car keys? So. That's it, really. And the next one is uh, use less meat and dairy. How do you feel about that? Are you a big meat man? Well, I am. But I think we are good at home and experimenting with other alternatives. And, you know, uh, corn features a lot in uh, as a substitute to some of our foods. Uh, and, and that, I think, is, is, is a good thing. We already start to do that. It is easy just to go out and buy yourself some chicken or meat or whatever to use. But actually, if you think of alternatives, it... it yeah, weirdly it doesn't taste as bad and thankfully even with three children they're okay with eating that um, but you feel we're doing probably the right thing for that dairy I think dairy is a big part of my life I like my milk and like my coffee um, <laughs> maybe I should explore alternatives for, instead of using dairy it's, it's quite but that's something that you can give it a go I know my wife was went vegan for Lent a few years ago which was just Horrible for her and horrible for me. Uh, she quite enjoyed it, actually, to okay, be fair. Okay. I, I, but um, it was quite a massive change. But we're not talking about becoming kind of like completely vegan yeah. or a radical change in your lifestyle. We're just talking about, um, you know, having two days a week where you don't eat meat or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Meat-free Fridays, meat-free Mondays. You know, they're all, they're all again, that's something you can do, isn't it, to try and... Take the burden off our earth, and as well is the with the meat thing is it's not so much of an issue in 
in the UK because our farming practices are better than they are in, in the States. The joke in my house is I would be vegan if we lived over there. Yeah. Uh, it's just horrendous, some of the stuff they get up to over there. And But the thing is with it is you don't have to go sort of full on you know it's not all or nothing no. it is just a few little changes yeah and the thing is with the dairy industry because there's these huge herds of cattle which basically produce huge amounts of methane which yeah. then turns into co2 yes and that is a major form of greenhouse gas emission yeah. you don't think about cows burping no as a major problem but it, it kind of is you know but it never was in the past because it was there was a, a degree of balance but of course <laughs> now with consumerism and the and the need for milk to be part of people's stable diets and and, and, and with the produce that we're generating from that it, it is our problem that that the cows are now contributing <laughs> to well, global yeah, warming one of my old church wardens in my last parish he was a um he was a, a dairy man because he was in Shropshire, so there was, you know, you have to be careful about saying eat, drink less milk in Shropshire. I get like hung up yeah. there uh, because it's a major industry, and that's another problem yeah. as well. But um, he was saying that when he started off in the fifties in the dairy industry or sixties, sorry, in the dairy industry, it was kind of few hundred cows was considered, you know, a massive herd. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. now that's kind of like standard. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's the scaling up that's uh, that's the problem. But, we, yeah, we can, in a sense, we don't have to change the dairy industry. We don't have to kind of boycott Muller or anything. No. What we can do is just say, okay, we'll eat a little bit less meat and maybe you know have toast instead of cereal in the morning yeah and there's always this there's always this image isn't there where we've got a, a factory that produces products that we demand actually if we start to reduce some of that demand the factory won't have to produce so much and so currently we're in this constant factory that just keeps speeding up and it, there is no end to this speed it just constantly generates stuff for us as consumers but if we just take some of the demand away from that, then then that will in turn reduce the need to feed the factory um, and, and in turn looks after the earth better. Yeah, because Starbucks didn't change to, to uh, fair trade because they, they thought, well, we're dead nice people. Yeah. They did it because they could make more money out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the key thing. Uh, the last thing it's talking about here is um, about energy saving light bulbs. Mm. Um, you get the LED ones now, don't you? Yeah, I've done that in the house, so that's good. My <coughs> houses are all got LEDs. Yeah, they're not as good, but you know, they, they. I feel that I'm 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 doing the right thing, um, and it takes the demand up off uh, well off my bills. But I know that it predominantly is more efficient way. I think I'm like many people will sit of an evening with my wife at home. Not realising that probably all the lights are still on, and actually I probably should turn them all off. You know, the kitchen light is on. I don't know why. No one's in there. You know. Yeah, I yeah. guess it's so easy to enjoy of an evening your house being lit up to walk freely around that. But yeah. most often or not, you don't actually need you, them on. You don't. And I think it's one of those weird things as well. A bit like when I was a kid, electricity was a lot more expensive. Yes. So I can remember my dad sort of saying, turn those lights off, like that. Perhaps he's just mean, I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> you know. But I think electricity 
as a proportion of income, as actually the prices have come down. Yeah, of course. But I think we just have to be a bit more mindful now about all these different alternatives. Like like a 60-watt bulb, what do you need that for? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can get one for like one watt. Um, and finally, the other interesting thing that we found the other year was you can now, I looked into it a long time ago, yeah. where you can get your electricity tariff um, to be fully renewables. So in other words, you, you use only renewable electricity. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit more expensive. It used yeah. to be like an extra like 50 quid a month and you'd be like, whoa, I can't afford that. No. But now it's a little bit more, but it's not prohibitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's something that's an option for us. Yeah. So I think that's something that people can look into. Um, if it's an option for you, great. But the more people that do it, then you know the prices will come down, won't they? Yeah, you know, you're right. You're yeah. right. And I think you know, over the last ten years, the government has been in favour of green energy, and then maybe slightly less favourable with green energy. But I know when uh, solar panels were becoming available to be installed onto roofs to enjoy free energy during the day, I, I joined that bandwagon. I've got solar panels on top of my roof. Uh, I've got a, a massive converter upstairs in in the in the loft that tells me how much energy I'm currently drawing and generating and you know it's it's kind of subleased by someone else but I know during the day that if I'm using energy in the house that actually a part of that's being drawn off from the solar power mm. um but the bits that isn't someone else is clearly making money from but um we know across the parish there are lots of houses that are using different styles of green energy yeah, they? you know, from water tanks and water heaters on roofs to to even wind turbines in some people's gardens. We've got we've got the technology now, I think, and I think really what we what we should focus on this Lent and do it doing it as a community is just trying to uh, make those little changes. Yeah, uh, in preparation to sort of training ourselves up together that we can make more and more changes together, because the more we do that, that's how. We can not just feel as though we're making a difference. That's how we can make a difference. This Lent, we hope both adults and children might engage in God's plea for us to care for creation. Find out more and get involved in this year's Lent journey at churchofengland.org slash livelent.